Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are we about to go to war? Are we ready for war? All that's coming up and much, much more on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. Time to talk about foreign policy. How do we get to the place where, you know, Putin decides he's going to just invade Russia? Nothing like this has happened since World War II. Putin's invading Russia. You don't, you don't forget about it. Well, that's basically how things are going. Don't worry, I'm going to get to us here in a second. This isn't really about Russia-Ukraine. Quick update on Russia-Ukraine in case you're wondering. (sighs) NATO is going to start sending fighter jets to them, apparently. Okay? What do you want me to say? I know what you're thinking. You're rooting for Ukraine, probably. Cheering a little bit. Want to see the scrappy underdog win. I do, too. Look, I'm inspired. These people are awesome. But... What's Vladimir Putin going to do about that? Remember, 
Ukraine is not part of NATO. In fact, Ukraine becoming part of NATO is one of those things Putin will not take because he's not going to take an organization designed to oppose him right on his border. And now NATO is going to send them fighter jets? Where is this taking Putin? Where is this taking the conflict? And look, we already have politicians in this country and other countries talking about a no-fly zone. And I saw some poll numbers recently said like 74% of Americans support a no-fly zone. I need to make sure I remind you again, I know you've heard me say this before. I know you know this already, but you need to tell friends and family because, man, no one can get access to real information in this country. Here's what a no-fly zone is. It doesn't mean Vladimir Putin's flying some jets over here and you go say, you stop that, you big mean poo-poo head, and then he flies his jets back home and they stay away. A no-fly zone means you say, don't fly here, and if he does, and he will, you aim some surface-to-air missiles at them or your own fighter jets at them, and you shoot Russian jets out of the sky. How do you think Vladimir Putin will take that? Do you think he would take that as a declaration of war from the entire West? He would. What would he do from there? Oh, I don't know. 69-year-old Russian tyrant with his hands on a bunch of nuclear weapons? Well, I don't know what he'd do from there, but I promise it wouldn't be good. Just keep this in mind, all right? And, and look, this is the level of sanity and maturity we're dealing with here in this country when it comes to world affairs. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham. How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stoppenberg in the <coughs> Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great service. Okay. I, I need to say something here. But I think it is important we always are coming back to reality. Not fairy tales, not what we see in the media, not what we see in the movies. Let's come down to reality here. I know you don't like Putin. I don't like Putin. I don't like Russia. I don't like big countries invading little countries. That's the way of the world, but I don't like it. I don't like it. All right? You probably don't like it either. But I need you to pause for a moment. What if, oh, let's say Venezuela. What if Venezuela was trying to get Mexico to join an anti-America alliance. An alliance designed to keep America in check. Do you think America would have a problem with that? Gigantic trading partner. They touch us, it's our southern border. Do you think America would do something about that? Would we invade Mexico? Nah, I don't think so. but. You think we do something and something with some teeth? Oh, yes, we would. That's one. Two, how would you react if you turned on the news today and you saw a senator in, who's a country we don't like? North, North Korea. <laughs> they don't really have senators, but you saw a senator in North Korea go on the news and say, I think somebody should kill Lindsey Graham. Kill Joe Biden. Uh, you would want someone to go over there and take that guy out, wouldn't you? I would. I mean, like Joe Biden, don't talk about killing our politicians. Don't talk about touching our guys. W what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're escalating everything. 
this has been endless escalation. And this is the point where people will argue with you. They'll say, yeah, but it's Putin's fault. I know it's Putin's fault. Putin sucks. Putin did it. But he did do it. What are we doing? We're ramping everything up, constantly escalating the situation instead of getting out of it. This is not, this is not a small thing. With all due respect to these countries, this is not El Salvador having a little border squabble with Guatemala. This is a country led by a madman who has a lot of nuclear weapons and a lot of different ways to deploy them. Do I need to remind you we just got 15 Russian nationals on our southern border? I hear a lot of this and see a lot of this, and I don't see anybody in this country, not in the media anyways, not in the media or politics, I don't see anybody realizing in this day and age, war can come home faster than you think. And there's something else. There's a UFC fighter. His nickname is Thug Nasty. How great is that? He had some thoughts. And before we get to his thoughts, I want to make sure I clarify something here. I talk a lot about the soft purge of the U.S. military. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by the soft purge of the military? Well, there's two parts of it. One, you have a bunch of guys in our military right now. And they're the kind of guys you want in there. You know, the tough guys, the guys who are in there to serve their country, guys who like shooting at stuff, guys who like hunting and fishing, I mean, the kind of guys who win wars. Tough guys. Those are the guys who win wars. A lot of those guys are getting out. I could read you my emails right now, story after story after story after story. I've been in 20 years, I'm getting out. Jesse, I was going to be a career, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. I don't want to learn how evil white people are. I don't want gay awareness day every other day. I didn't serve for this and I'm getting out. That's part of the soft purge, but there's another part. And this may honestly be the biggest part. And it's unquantifiable. That part is a country boy in Louisiana, you like to make fun of his accent. He's been squirrel hunting at the age of five. He's out there shooting gators in the head with bows at the age of 15. You know, that kind of guy, that guy wins wars. Cowboy in Montana wins wars. Gangster, downtown city somewhere, decides he wants out of that life. He's been fist fighting since he was five or six. That guy wins wars. The tough guy, alpha male, wins wars. The guy who looks at the military recruiting poster of some guy in, in camo paint and says, oh, I want to be a stud like that. That's the guy that wins wars. I love America. I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I'm going to join the Navy. I'm going to join the Army. That's the guy who wins wars. What happens when a nation gets to a point where its government is so corrupted and has lost so much trust that that guy, he just never joins. He never joins at all. This UFC fighter was so profound because I hear this so much, so much. I'm not going nowhere to fight none of these wars for these politicians. I'm staying at home, and when the war comes to Arkansas, I will dig my boots in the ground, and I will die for everything I love, and I will not retreat. If this country's invaded and everybody's saying, well, we got to we gotta evacuate, we got to leave, we gotta, I will not. I will dig my boots in the Arkansas soil, and I will fight for the people that I love, for the land that I love, and the way of life that I love. But I'm not going overseas to fight. I don't know what's going on. To be honest, brother, I really don't. There's so much stuff, and I don't think nobody knows what's going on fully. There's been so much political corruption in that area. You got Biden and his son making a shit ton of money off of uh, and using our tax dollars to bribe 
their people. That's treasonous in my opinion. I'm not going over there and fighting and God bless anybody that's over there fighting and I hope that shit just gets solved and man, I don't like war. You know what I mean? I don't want people dying and all that stuff. I don't want to be, but I don't know what's going on. There's so much stuff that I think that's corrupted that we just don't know what's truly going on over there. You should see the emails I get. And honestly, some of the most stunning ones are these ones, and I get these a lot. Jesse, every male in my generation back to World War II, World War I has served. My son will not serve. I'm, I'm not allowing my son to serve. My son's not signing up. My dad was a World War II Marine. My grandpa was here. My father did this. My grandpa did that. I did this. My son won't serve. We win wars with these guys. What happens when that guy... He's selling insurance three years from now, and we need an on-point force to go fight someone. And instead, we have a force full of a bunch of LGBTQ idiots. I don't think we want to know what that's like. What happens to a country when its most patriotic citizens don't want to serve anymore? We're about to find out. All right, moving on. Look, oil. How corrupt are we? We're buying Russian oil. We're buying Russian oil, 28, 25, $28 billion a day, over $20 billion a day of Russian oil. All this talk, tough talk on Russia, we're funding the war. Oh, we don't have to be buying that oil. The United States of America has more oil than Saudi Arabia. But we've chosen to purposely make ourselves poorer and buy it from Russia. Here's Anthony Blinken saying, hey, we'd cut Russia off, but we have to ask Europe first. But we are looking, uh, again, as we speak, yeah. in coordination with allies and partners, at this prospect so, of banning oil imports. So it's interesting you added the in coordination. We will not do this unilaterally. The United States mm -hmm. is not going to do this unilaterally. A hallmark of everything we've done to date has been this coordination with allies and partners. We are much more effective across the board when we're doing things together uh, in as close a coordination as possible. There are instances where uh, we each do something uh, a little bit different, but it complements uh, the, the whole. So in the first instance, uh, we want to make sure that we're acting in, in, in coordination. I'm not going to rule out taking action one way or another, okay. uh, irrespective of what they do. But uh, everything we've done, uh, the approach starts with coordinating with allies and partners. Okay. We're not leading on anything. Europe's been leading. And what's the result of all this? Well, we're not energy independent anymore the way we were under Donald Trump. And now people are getting murdered at the pump. Six dollars a gallon. Do you know what they're forecasting right now for oil? A hundred and eighty dollars a barrel. Do you have any idea what that means for every person in this country? Oh, you know what? I take that back. That was out of line. I don't mean every person. Don't get me wrong. The, the billionaires who bring you the news every night, they'll, they'll be just fine. Joe Biden will be just fine. In fact, all the politicians in D.C. will just be just fine. All those actors who were telling you we're all in this together when they were slapping you around during coronavirus, they'll be just fine. LeBron James will be just fine. The professor who rides his stupid bicycle to work every day, he'll be just fine. You, oh, you're going to get slaughtered. And it's way more than just at the gas pump. Again, everything around you comes on a truck. What do you think happens when gas costs more? Everything goes up. Hey. No more mean tweets, though. And we do have to ask ourselves, does the Biden administration really care? Now, I know they care because of poll numbers, but do they want to make America energy independent? 
Here's the energy secretary back in November. We're working through, we're working through an energy transition and we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this, this is a transition. You know the creepiest part of that? It was the pause. We're working through a, she even had to look away, we're working through a energy transition. They can't actually ever say what they mean. The truth is the environmentalist part of the communists may be the most damaging part. Decade after decade after decade, they have weakened this country and their end goal is always poverty. Remember, that's the base of environmentalism. They view humans as being some kind of a plague upon the earth. There's too many of us. We have too much wealth, too much prosperity. You drive too many cars. Let's just crush all that. And that's the truth. Here's Dome. Our transportation sector has reached a turning point. We are all in the midst of a turning point. We have the technology to transition to a zero emission fleet. Our administration together, all of us, is working to make that possibility a reality. Oh, good. We definitely seem like you have our priorities in line. We're certainly ready for a world war. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great show for you. We, what's the latest on the Durham stuff? Don't think we've forgotten about that. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk about one share health. Your health insurance. Health insurance, not exactly fun to shop for, is it? Well, at one share health, it's a faith-based organization. Endless options, endless options, great prices, and you can actually feel good about paying your health insurance bill. How many times have you ever said that? 5% of your monthly, when you go to One Share Health, 5%, it goes to veterans struggling with PTSD. Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly, and sign up today. We'll be back. Here's just a quick update on this whole Durham investigation. You know, the guy who's digging into the government corruption, the Clinton corruption behind all the Russian collusion hoax stuff. Well, Michael Sussman. I know there's so many names that it gets so confusing, so just remember, that's the Clinton campaign lawyer. He moved to have some things struck from the record because he's not looking too good. Durham went scorched earth on Sussman. This is what Durham said, quote, Far from finding himself in the vulnerable, vulnerable position of an ordinary person whose speech is likely to be chilled, the defendant, a sophisticated and well-connected lawyer, chose to bring politically charged allegations to the FBI's chief legal officer at the height of an election season. He then chose to lie about the clients who were behind those allegations using rare access to the halls of power for the purposes of political deceit is hardly the type of speech the founders intended to protect. Now, I don't know what all that means, but it sure sounds to me like Durham isn't letting this go. And maybe, hopefully, some of the scumbags in D.C. are sweating really, really badly right now. We're going to stay on this. Whenever we get a little update, we're going to continue giving, giving it to you. We have Lee Smith coming still. We have Brandon Morse coming still. 
but first. How are your allergies? Tis the season, right? I saw some hilarious thing on, online this weekend about some guy was just covered in pollen, and he said, tis the season, I guess it's here. I, I know. I know what you go through. I used to struggle with them a lot. Go get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Actually, get three of them. I got one initially, and I love the thing so much, I went out and got two more. It constantly cleans your air, not just the viruses and mold, although it does that too. It cleans all that gunk out of the air that's making your eyes itch and your nose run. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, and you get $200 off. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. All right? We'll be back. It was a really big deal, and I know people are still confused by it, uh, but there's no question any longer. The Russians uh, actively interfered in our election to help Donald Trump. Uh, there is no hoax. It's true. Okay. Joining me now, my friend Lee Smith. He's the author of the book, The Permanent Coup, The Plot Against the President in the Strong Horse, which I would highly, highly recommend. All right, Lee. First off, Hillary Clinton, she says it was all a hoax. I understand that. What is true and what isn't true? Because people have no way of figuring out reality anymore with the level of disinformation out there in our media. Yeah, you're really throwing me into the deep end here, making me respond to Hillary, especially the way that, that, <laughs> that, that she looked in that, in that, in that picture there. Um, she looks like a 19th century Boston matron. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, look. <laughs> The fact is that the John Durham investigation is progressing apace. There have already been three different indictments. Um, the the idea from the beginning that Donald Trump was tied into Russia was preposterous, but now we have more and more detail on what actually happened. It was, as, as we know from John Brennan's own handwritten notes in a meeting with Barack Obama, the Russia uh, operation was intended to deflect the public's uh, attention from Hillary's use of a private email server. That's what it was. It was intended to protect Hillary when people started asking in the event that those emails might surface, and there was good reason to believe they might, uh, but if they did, the, presumably the damage would have been large to her campaign. It was so important to her campaign to deflect attention from her use of a private email server that they dragged in the FBI, likely the CIA, and other government bureaucracies, the State Department certainly, um, to set up the Donald Trump campaign and to spy on the Donald Trump campaign. Lee, These are the. I, I have a real big question for you here, and I realize that it's going to take you an hour to unpack it. Take your time. I, I have so much respect for it. I want to hear what you have to say. We have, because of things like you just pointed out, we have a serious loss of trust in our institutions in this country, a serious loss of trust. That trust is only gained back if the institutions themselves feel like they have to gain it back and make steps to gain it back. How do we start that process? They clearly haven't started it yet. It's all cover up lies and shouting people down. How does that process begin? I'd love to have a country where I hear the word FBI and don't roll my eyes. How do we yeah. start it? 
I, I mean, I, again, we're hopeful that the Durham investigation will lead to accountability. And we, I mean, right now it's clear that it, that he's left it at the door of the Clinton campaign. That's who's responsible for what happened. But look, Jesse, I, I mean, the cost is enormous as we're now starting to see with conflict in Eastern Europe. The same people who are trying to sell us the Russia hoax, right? And then, of course, the impeachment of Donald Trump having to do with a, uh, a phone call with the Ukrainian president, same president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Right? The idea these same people are filling the airwaves now and telling us what's really going on is preposterous, right? So when we hear about intelligence community assessments, regarding what's happening uh, on the Russian side, what's going on on the Ukrainian side. It's very, very hard to take this seriously. So as I've been trying to argue for several years, Russiagate was not simply a beltway political scandal. It was a national security catastrophe waiting to happen. Over the last couple of weeks with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we now see what's going on. The United States does not any longer have a genuine national security apparatus designed to advance and protect the American interest and inform American policymakers as well as the American public. So it's a disaster. Remember what happened. John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, was pushing Trump Russia, right? Was was, was pushing Trump Putin. The idea now that CIA officials are talking about Vladimir Putin, both retired and current, passing along intelligence. I, I mean, the idea that we are supposed to uh, take these people seriously at face value is preposterous. Lee, I have warned repeatedly about what I call the soft purge of the military, which I say is two parts. It's the, it's the good guys who are in and they're getting out, and it's the good guys, the 16, 17, 18-year-old who's eyeing up that recruiting poster, and he says, no, I, I don't want to go learn how racist I am. I'm going to go sell insurance somewhere. I'm going to go take after Lee Smith and try to be a great writer. He never joins. He never does anything. And I'm worried now, Lee, at a level I've never been worried before, and I don't think the people in power understand how real that problem is, what kind of a bunch of losers we're going to have in five, ten years in the military. That, 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 that's a grave danger um, for the United States, um, our ability to project power abroad. I, I, I know that often you think I speak too optimistically, but let me turn... Uh, let me turn that around, your concept. I think the idea that if young men and women decide not to enlist in the armed services, I really think the future, uh, and, and large part, the future of our country depends on what people like you and me, um, what other leaders of the pro-America part of the United States, what we put, uh, how we figure out how to use the energies of those young people, the people who love the country and who would otherwise enlist and serve the country like that, they can still serve the country. What are we going to figure out? How do we use those energies? How do we use that patriotism? Because we have a genuine, I'm not talking about a shooting war at home, but I'm talking about we have a very serious situation here at home. So what will these young men and women do if they don't want to enlist how do we help them? How do we guide them? How do we channel those tremendous uh, patriotic energies here to to rescue our country right here, where, where you and I live? I saw you you tweeted something about the uh, the, the young UFC fighter, the, the the guy from Arkansas. Man, I mean, I, I don't live in Arkansas, but I have to tell you, that was so profoundly moving. That was fantastic. Here is a young man 
who loves his country and he loves his state and he loves his family, he loves his community and his people. And there are millions of those people around this country, but they're rightly saying, we're not gonna serve these clowns. We're not gonna serve these people who lied to us. We're not gonna serve these people who have only served their own interests. Look at Hunter Biden. You want us to go to Ukraine? Hunter Biden, Hunter, Hunter Biden drew millions of dollars. He and his friends drew millions of dollars from Ukraine. Why are we fighting for Hunter Biden? How does this protect American national security? Lee, what, is, what should the average American be feeling right now about the Ukraine-Russia thing? Because I think emotions are all over the place. You see a David versus Goliath fight, and no one roots for Goliath in that. So people are rooting for Ukraine. Ukraine appears to be putting up pretty stubborn resistance. Those Eastern Europeans have done that from time to time. So we're all cheering them, but we don't really want to get involved. And we sure don't want to pay six, seven dollars a gallon for gas. What, what should the average, Amer average American take from all this right now? Well, I think a very important thing for your great audience to understand is that what we have is a lot of noise coming out of the Biden administration. <clears throat> when the Biden administration is talking about and, and look, by the way, of course, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin is a ruthless dictator. Uh, walking into Ukraine, uh, you know, invading Ukraine like this is terrible. And it's right for Americans to be sympathetic with the underdog. The fact is, is that our political leaders right now, uh, at, at the head of which is the Biden administration, what they're saying about confronting Putin is nonsense. And I'll explain very quickly, right? Vladimir Putin, first of all, it's going to be extremely difficult for the United States to impose meaningful sanctions on Putin. And here's why. Because the Russians right now are negotiating with the United States over the Iranian nuclear program. Right? The Americans have not been negotiating with the Iranians directly. The Russians have been Iran's interlocutors. The Russian foreign minister said over the weekend, should the United States continue to push us like this, we'll have to all reevaluate the Iran nuclear deal. Right? It gets even worse. If the Iran nuclear deal goes through, because Iran is a Russian client, right? that is going to fill Russia's war chest. And Russia is going to be in there working on nuclear issues with the Iranians, selling them arms, as well as different economic issues as well. The Biden administration is not serious. This is, this is simply a cover for what's really going on behind the scenes. In effect, the Biden administra administration is strengthening Vladimir Putin right through the Iran nuclear deal. This will all fill Putin's war chest. So what they're doing is they're rationalizing all of this to keep jacking up the energy on American citizens. Why? They know very well that they could alleviate the problems, they could drop the, the price of energy if they were to reopen Keystone and look for, other, uh, look for other opportunities. But no, they need to push the Green New Deal because this is the centerpiece of the Democratic Party platform. And all the Green New Deal means is, it means pu punishing working and middle-class Americans and another transfer of wealth like COVID. So that's what Americans should understand what's really going on here, right? It's not, for the Biden administration, it's not about Russia and Ukraine, right? For viewers, for other Americans, they see this horrible thing unfolding in Eastern Europe. The Biden administration is using this as a screen to accomplish its different foreign policy, and most importantly, its domestic policy goals. So if we can all step back and see what the Biden team is really up to, I think that's gonna help clarify uh, the issue for lots of Americans and for them to be able to make their own wise decisions. Lee, thank you for making us smarter as always, my brother, I appreciate you.
Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Appreciate it. Good man right there. What a tangled web it is, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough. Just we'll keep on it. Stressful times right now, right? It's easy to look at the news and say, uh, wow, the world's coming to an end. Well, first, don't do that. But second, people struggle with anxiety. And if you're struggling with anxiety, you're probably struggling with it uniquely right now. I have several people in my life who have it. Try Relief Band. It works not only for anxiety, I should point out, nausea, morning sickness, hangover even. It's no medication. It's just a band. It goes right on your wrist, targets a nerve that sends that signal to your brain, and it actually works. Go look it up. Look up the online reviews. It seems like it's too good to be true, but it's not. Go to reliefband.com. That's reliefband.com and use the promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 20% off. Reliefband.com promo code JESSE. We'll be back. could we have improved? Um, well, you know, I think, I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came, that it was 95% effective, um, the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, so I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I, I really do. I, I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when, when you know, mm -hmm. oh, this vaccine's going to work. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe it'll work, it'll wear off. Um, nobody said, well, what if the next variant doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as potent against the next variant. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe my, maybe my earpiece isn't working. I need to get, I need to get a new one or something like that. I would have swore the CDC director just said the vaccine they tried to force everyone to take. And in fact, many people were lost their jobs that they were just hopeful about it. Oh, that's following the science. Joining me now, my friend Brandon Morris, deputy managing editor of Red State and also host of the new Red State Live. Brandon, no worries, buddy. The CDC director, she's hopeful. Oh, good. I'm glad that our unrelenting optimism yes. in this time is going to carry us through. With yes. The science. Good God. No, you know what really got me about that? Is I was sitting here watching, it, 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 I was watching that clip right before you actually called me. And it says that she, when the CNN feed came, that it was 95% effective, the vaccine. So many of us wanted, is she getting her ideas from CNN? Is she watching CNN and basing CDC guidance off of what they say? Is that what she's effectively admitting here? The same network that constantly finishes third in, in the cable news race, the same network that once asked if the Malaysian, the missing Malaysian airliner fell into a black hole, that, mm. that CNN, mm. is that where we're getting our marching orders from? So many people you know, lost their, their jobs. They, they couldn't attend funerals for their families. So many people's lives were upended. Depression everywhere. Suicides went up because the CDC was saying, hey, here are some guidelines, some things that we need to do in order to maintain our safety from COVID. They come in here and all of a sudden, like, you know, they, they were trying to pass laws about everyone getting uh, uh, vaccinated. Businesses were threatening their employees that if they didn't get vaccinated, they would lose it. And they did lose their jobs. Many people's lives were upended because 
Rochelle Walensky was watching CNN, saw that it was 95% effective according to CNN reports and decided to start issuing guidance based on that? What? Brandon, you, you bring up a good point. I feel like this was, and I don't want to overstate it because everything feels so big in the moment. And then when you, when you get after, after the fact, you look back and say, oh, I maybe oversold that. I feel like COVID and this kind of distrust these institutions have sown in America, I feel like it was a real turning point in the country. I feel like there's a percentage, obviously not everyone, I feel like there's a percentage of this country who won't ever believe anything they hear anymore from these people. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. You are 100% correct on that. Scientific institutions have really taken a real big blow and that's actually more damaging to society than a lot of people think. You know, now everyone's questioning any kind of research or, you know, uh, any kind of report that comes out of places like the CDC or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the NIHS and every all any kind of university report that comes out. Now we're sitting there going, OK, what is the political angle behind this? Who are these people that are issuing this report? Who is doing the research? Why should I believe it? This is going to throw us into a mass confusion. But I mean, like, this is what happens when you put politics first and you put science, maybe. The, the science is not science, but they have been leading us by their political whims. These blue state leaders, these this this federal this the uh, uh, Democrat controlled federal government has been leading us by politics first and science. Maybe that's really what it's boiled down to. And how can we trust science, the science after this? OK, Brandon, so what's the average person to do if, like you pointed out in the very beginning, she's getting her info from CNN, the CDC director? OK, I'm not a scientist, nor am I smart enough to be one. What's the right. average person supposed to do if you if I, I OK, I can't trust the FDA. I can't trust the CDC. Where am I supposed to get information then? I'm an idiot. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's they're often wondering why we're going to people like the private journalists, why uh, the private citizen journalists, stuff, you know, people like, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, who's out there having conversations with actual scientists who might not necessarily agree with the mainstream narrative, but have some very interesting info to see. You know, they're watching the first, they're watching uh, other networks like Fox News stuff. These people are going to these places where they are actually getting the whole entire story. So uh, really what it boils down to is where do they get their information from? All over the place now, and they have to piece it together for themselves. And to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure if that's a bad thing. I think that people actually do need to have as much information available to them so that they can actually sort out what does and doesn't work. And despite the fact of what you know many Democrats think or the media thinks, I really don't think that Americans by and large are actually stupid. You have seen many of them, many of them from the very beginning disproving claims made by the CDC, disproving claims made by Dr. Fauci. You had people like Rand Paul running him through the ringer and basically exposing the fact that he was out there trying to make politics before science constantly. So the answers are out there. And I really think that people going out and seeing it for themselves is a great thing because if they're doing it for this, what else might they be doing that for in the future? It, the, the mainstream media and, and the leftist uh, establishment here effectively shot themselves in the foot because they're waking people up and making them more independent in terms of information gathering. Brandon, switching gears here, there was a bill obviously passed in Florida. They're calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill, which it has nothing to do with that. They simply don't want people grooming young children. But here's Heavy D talking about it. I'm just curious. You call it that. I've not seen that in any of these bills. Where is that coming from? 
Oh, I get that. But the question is, you know, you're in the news business. Is it does the truth matter or not? Is there is that in any of the bills? Yes or no? I understand. I understand what you're doing. But uh, and here's the thing, like I this wasn't like my legislation. Like I have certain big priorities that we did. This is something the legislature felt strong about. So I start getting asked about this by the by the media. Um, and and I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, they're getting spun up. I see the le I see, you know, you know how this works, right? And I was like, there is no way it's true. And I didn't even look at the bill yet. I just knew it wasn't true. And so you actually look at the bill, and it says no sexual instruction in grades pre-K through three. Brandon? Why are there so many people in this country who believe pre-K through three need sexual instruction? That's that's the question. Why do they? Why why do we need things like this for small children? Why did we need drag queen story time? Why did we need uh, uh, sexual? Why increasingly younger and younger? Why do we need sex education for these kids? I remember when I was in third grade, my primary concern was who's going to go play hide and seek with me. You know who's going to be available <laughs> after dinner. <laughs> You know, my friends to come out and like, you know, let's play a game or play some video games or something. That's what we were concerned about. I was not thinking about girls. Okay. Now they're trying to make it, you know, more and more about sex, more and more about gender identity. They're trying to introduce into younger and younger uh, uh, generations, you know, this, uh, this concept that we're not supposed to learn about until maybe 10, maybe 10 years down the line. Um, it kind of tells me, and you mentioned the word just a second ago, this is grooming. This isn't just grooming for trying to make people among them uh, more open to their kind of sexuality and their kind of you know trendiness when it comes to their identity politics. They're trying to generate an entire generation that is against the traditions, the morality, the biology, the natural science that we have known for ages, the morality and traditions here in America. They're trying to turn them against that so that when they grow up, they're gonna be good little foot soldiers. That's really what it boils down to in the long run, but they're doing it through some of the sickest means possible. And let's face facts, this is pedophilia at the end of the day. Yeah. If you are trying to yeah. introduce sex to a child, that is pedophilia. 100%. All right, Brandon, finally, I didn't even want to ask this because it breaks my heart. I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I know that's nerdy. The wife makes fun of me for it, but I swear I've seen all six of them like a bunch of times. I, I, I love them. <laughs> I think they're good movies. Too, I think it's yeah. a good story. And then I, I see there's a new one coming out, new version, and I, I had this brief moment of hope. And then I read your article on Red State, outstanding State. article, by the way, and you just crushed me, Brandon. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, look. Man, I'm, I'm just as crushed as you are because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. I read that trilogy at least once a year. Um, it is so good. But again, like anything that, it, that is popular in America, no matter what the franchise is, no matter what the IP, whether it's Star Wars or Ghostbusters or anything like that, the woke left has to take it and utilize it, change it in some way, modernize it so they can insert their politics in order to normalize it for not just America, but the generations on coming. This is actually just more grooming. It's trying to normalize this kind of behavior, these kinds of ideas. Many of the things they're trying to normalize right now are the idea that, you know, there needs to be some sort of shakeup in, in the way that our culture views race, uh, uh, you know, uh, sexuality. There can be no more feminism, or I mean, femininity. Now it has to be feminism. Uh, you see Galadriel in these takes here. You know, Galadriel was supposed to be this 
ultimate like you know feminine natured beauty who was so feminine that was powerful but now they're turning her into her, her her into a soldier with knives she never had to use knives you know they're trying to make things uncharacteristic so that they can kind of insert their politics into things but you know what's really good it's the fact that you're seeing such backlash against this that the the fans the actual fans are reaching out and they are destroying this thing left and right and you're going to see this continue to happen and they're going to complain about it but the more they try to throw the accusations of sexism and racism at people who come against them for these woke remakes or retellings or reimaginings of things, the more people catch on that these people are the villains. And I see that happening more and more and more. So you know what? Let them make this mistake, in my honest opinion. Like Napoleon said, never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. And if they want to make this Amen. mistake, I'm more than happy to let them do that. Amen. Brandon, go read all his stuff. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. All right, we have we have a light in the mood next. It, I just it makes me laugh. I've watched it about fifty times today. But first, are you a first TV supporter yet? You should be. Everyone else is getting in on it. Apparently, everyone's subscribing to this thing. Go to thefirsttv.com/support. Not only do you get access to things other people don't get access to, you get more access to me. What's more important than that? Thefirsttv.com/support. We'll be back. All right, it's time to lighten the mood. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, sometimes, especially in this day and age of social media, where there's always a video out there, a picture out there of something, sometimes I see a little snippet of a video, and that's all this is, and I think to myself, man, I would love to know the story behind that. And that was my initial reaction to this video, and lighten the mood. And then after I thought about it for a while, I thought to myself, you know, I take it back. I don't want to know the story behind this. I'm just happy this video exists. What? What is the bear doing? <laughs> what? Ah. I'll see you tomorrow. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.